Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 120. I'm joined of course with my two co-hosts, Baldwin of UnnamedGameShop.com and uh, Kim Gisali of um, CoolStuffInc.com. How are you guys doing this week? Uh, if anyone can't tell, that's Jeremy. Apparently he has like super jet lag issues and um, also can't remember our names. Thank you, Kim. Baldward, how are you doing this week? Great. Glad to hear it. Well, guys, we missed you quite a lot, but we are finally back after Jim's wedding, which was amazing. If anyone wants to touch on that briefly. Or not? Question mark. Uh, Ed had hair last time I saw him in Florida, and now he doesn't have hair. I mean, so, uh, I don't have a lot to say about my own wedding because I didn't enjoy it like a person that was like attending the wedding would. I had a lot of stuff to do. Um, everything went without a hitch for the most part, so I can't complain. Yep. Um, I was sprinting into the wedding as Jim was about to be escorted back for the, the song or the, the entry thing, so that was fun. Uh, almost missed it, made it, and then almost missed my flight on the way out. So totally worth it, but it was fun. Um, Ed, you were at GP Jersey. Is there anything you want to talk about from Jersey or Joyzy that we should, uh, we should keep an eye on? Uh, if anyone channel fireball, listens to this Secaucus is terrible. Don't ever host a GP in Secaucus, but I realize that they have no choice. Um, New Jersey sucks. New York sucks. Sakaka sucks. That convention center sucks. Um, other than that, I, I'm trying to think of what happened last week. I guess last week was like the first major breakthrough for Standard. Right? Like it was the first Standard GP with uh, Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, lots of like crazy things happened. Uh, Vivian Reed uh, was like a big winner. Arc Like Phoenix was the big winner. I think one of us had touched on that when the spoiler was out. It was um, you. It was me? Okay. Mm hmm. I wish I got in because that card is a million dollars right now. Mm -hmm. And apparently at it, uh, whatever GP happened this weekend, uh, Arclight Phoenix was sold out. Uh, yes. Cause as it turns out, that card is also playable modern. So. It's a Vengevine, but for spells instead of creatures is probably the best way to describe it. Yes. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. So I, I'm at a pro tour testing house right now. I'm still in Atlanta. I'm here through the week. And uh, watching, oh, like, I might might swing down and say hi then. Uh, my watching people play the is it Drake's deck arc like Phoenix. If like if if anyone has spent any time playing with it, like that card is like a very 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 busted card. Um, so I would be very surprised to see that card come down, especially because every deck that wants to play it plays it as a four of. Um, and because it's playable in both modern and standard, it makes it pretty uh makes it pretty appealing. I imagine that there will be some point where enough people open them, um, where uh the price will probably like stabilize and then start to dip after a little bit, but I think we're pretty far away from that point right now. Um it's kinda odd that Atlanta was a modern GP the week before the Pro Tour, but it still made a lot uh there were still like some waves to be made in uh and mtg finance this weekend um on top of what with them dropping the ball on oh, our next topic ultimate masters right wow. wow i watched a lot of korean shout casting this week weekend so yeah but ultimate masters let's talk about that where do we want to start? The increase in MSRP and pack value, the fact that each box has a quote-unquote masterpiece, the fact that half of the community is complaining and the other half thinks it's great, the fact that Jim had a great take about this. Where, where are we starting? Uh, let's talk about what it is first, just in case you missed the announcement uh, that happened today. Oh, I did. So sure. Uh, okay, so Ultimate Masters is, uh, according to Wizards of the Coast, the last master set for the foreseeable future. They plan to put reprints into sealed product like into supplementary products that are not necessarily master sets so stuff like guild kits and arch enemy nicobolas and things like that rather than into booster sets that um 
you know, are extremely expensive to purchase. Uh, this set is going to come with one of the 40 cards that have been previously re previewed as uh, Masterpiece Editions inside the box. So it's like basically a buy a box remote, but it's inside the box instead of outside the box. And it will be one of the 40 cards in a semi-full art fashion. All of the cards that are available as Masterpieces are also in the set. They are not all mythics. Some of them are rares, and two of them are uncommons. Um, other than that, everything else is mostly the same. It's a 24-pack box. Each pack has 10 commons, 3 uncommons, a rare, and then a, a random foil, just like every other Master set. The only big difference is that the, avail the, the, the MSRP is a very odd. It's $335 for a box, but there's no pack MSRP. And then... Three pack blisters will be available at big box stores like Walmart and Target for $35, which comes out to about $11 a pack or $11.60 a pack versus the $13.99 it is for a full booster box. Um, I, I think, sorry, I think they had listed the MSRP pack MSRP at $12.99. Uh, the triple pack is $35, it looks like. Yeah, I, and when I looked at the announcement, like unless they said it on the stream, the announcement sheet on Wizards of the Coast website does not have the pack MSRP price. It's only the booster box and the three pack. The, the booster pack. Interesting. Correct. Okay. Maybe I just kind of assigned a MSRP pack price in my mind, but nope. I just I just kind of browse over it. So I've been busy. So I so yeah, look at that closely. So before we even talk, Jim, is there anything you wanted to touch on? I don't want to cut you off too fast. No, that's pretty much it. Like okay. that's what the that's what the product is. Um, spoilers, I think, are going to be in two, one or two weeks, and they we end all the rares. of Thanksgiving. We know, we know all the rares. What do you mean we know all the rares? They posted all forty of them. Those are not all rares. Are you talking about the the masterpiece ones? Oh, they're not all rares, right. and they're not ah. they're not even rares or mythics. Two of them are uncommons. Kitchen Finks and Eternal Witness are uncommons. Mm -hmm. Okay, this Those is what happens when you're flying back from Korea and you like sort of hear about it through Twitter. Like, I haven't looked at Twitter for MTG Finance at all for like the last yeah. two weeks. I didn't. I didn't do the math, but I'm pretty sure that not all the mythics are in there either. But I have to double check. Okay. Um. So the biggest thing, regardless of the fact that we know that there's some high end stuff in here, I think we should take a step back and look at it instead of doing the knee jerk reaction of Snapcaster Mage, Cavern of Souls, et cetera, et cetera. What is the overall price of these cards going to be in January and February? I think that's the most financially relevant thing. It isn't specifically which cards are in the set. Cause I think we can agree that the set is good. It's how far a price is going to fall because of this. What does the fact that this is going to be available at Walmart mean for the overall supply and price of these cards? And how fast are we going to see a race to the bottom on places like TCG um, for people that are opening the marquee cards in the set? Because it's not necessarily just like any master set before, like, oh, cool, we're getting these reprints. It's, okay, how cheap are these going to be? When should we buy them? And is there going to be more supply than we realize with things such as Unstable, where it felt like we had hit a final... Uh, where supply had started to dry up and then all of a sudden Wizards reprinted uh, Battle Bond or anything else like that to help um, people grease their pockets a little more and harm people that were speculating, which isn't a bad thing at all. It's just something that happened. So Ed, where do you see the price of these cards overall being in January or February? Not necessarily naming specific cards, but just the overall value of the set because we've seen reprints before and we're going to see this with stuff like Through the Breach where cards were insanely expensive because of how rare they are. And now that the cards are out there, will the price recover at all in a couple months? And if not, like, does the fact that this set being in Walmart for MSRP versus like what people may try to gouge on boxes because you get the box uh, toppers and that, what, what, it, where are we going to be? And I know it's a lot of stuff to ask, but that's the most relevant stuff from this set that people should be focusing on. Uh, Wow, you just asked enough questions I could talk for like the rest of the podcast. I mean, um, that is literally all that people should care about. It should not be, oh, I have a foil cavern of souls and like, am I screwed? Or like, oh, will Snapcast your mage fall to $30 because that's what happened like two years ago. It should be overall what is going to happen with the set in two months 
And do you see prices sticking around MSRP or lower because of the fact that it's available in big box shops? That's really all people should be taking away from this set. Uh, so the most relevant question is like, uh, how does big box uh, availability affect it? I feel like it doesn't. I feel like most... Um, I So the MSRP thing is a little like blown out of proportion. I think a lot of stores would opt to rather uh, open up these boxes for individual packs and sell them out and, and pack it out so that you, so they have a situation that's a little awkward, right? Like it's more profitable for them to open the box and pack it out individually, which means that because the box topper itself is sealed inside the box, if they open up the box, Hey, you didn't buy sealed box. The store will just keep the box topper. Um, so, but because of that, uh, a lot of the value of the box itself is tied into um, the stipulation that you bought the whole box. The box topper itself covers a non-zero amount of the cost of the box. You probably are paying more per pack, but because the cost is higher, um, most likely to buy a box because I imagine most stores would just inherently... Um, factor that in right because you're you're not paying msrp on the box i mean there you could right you're paying msrp on the box plus some amount attached onto the box topper itself which in my mind it feels kind of crappy that stores would do that but if you don't if stores aren't incentivized in that form i feel like they're much better off just opening uh the box itself and then selling uh selling the packs and getting to keep the box topper um because the price is probably going to be higher, I imagine you have less um, less impulse. Uh, you, you like have less impulse buying. Like thirty five dollars is a lot to drop on a blister pack. Um, I don't have the data uh, on um, on like iconic masters a twenty five because those were in big box as blister packs. We've seen this. We've seen the song dance before. It's nothing new, but. Um, it does hurt it in a non-zero degree, but I feel like $35 is probably far more than what people are willing to shell out um, on like impulse buy, just kind of walking past the TCG section of big box stores. Um, I, th there's a lot going on. It's one of those things where I'll probably have to think about it a lot more. And I'm actually curious to see how stores would respond to this again, because it feels like there'll be people who want to pre-order the box just to guarantee that they do get the box topper. Um, but at the whatever you said like 335 or whatever for msrp that's 335 msrp yeah 335 that is probably more than what most people are willing to pay even if you're getting a discount or something and your store is willing to come down and not charge you for the premium of the box topper i imagine you're not paying less than uh like 250 a box right because yeah 300 if that right because i'm looking at what they're going to cost it's going to right most likely 300 right if the ms if, if the msrp is higher right naturally then um stores will be paying more so that like the floor is not going to be lower you're not going to find like the 150 dollars pre-orders that you're able to find on iconic and uh masters 25 that we've seen like in the past like year or so the biggest thing is this is the first product that has become available I, I think Dominaria was before this, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, where distributors have all the boxes for this upcoming in-demand high-value set, where Wizards is not guaranteeing game shops that they will receive a certain amount, and theoretically distributors can re release a smaller wave and then ask a premium for the rest. It also this mentioned... A... Yeah. Go for it. Uh, it also mentioned that this is a limited print run. Uh, what that means in the kind of the context of uh, limited, it's not really clear. Um, in case, I guess we also didn't touch on this. In case there was anyone missed an announcement that didn't really follow up, uh, they changed both Grand Prix Vancouver and Grand Prix Prague to be um, Ultimate Masters Limited rather than Guilds of Ravnica Limited. Um, so there's like. It's unlikely that we'll have like Vegas level attendance or whatever. Um, Especially because the GP is 145 Canadian for six packs. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. There's, there's also that, but like Vancouver's at like a really, really poorly scheduled time. It's the week, uh, the weekend between Christmas and uh, new year. 
Uh, I think like both Christmas and New Year are like Tuesdays or something. So it did, like that's pretty awkward for a lot of people. Um, and like it's being like in like being Vancouver at that time, like it's not zero chance that like tickets like airfare will be expensive. Also snow. And like the weather itself is like a problematic. Why we continue to have like Canadian GPs like in the winter is like beyond me, but I, I all I do is hustle cards. So <laughs> I, I'll be happy to collect a consulting fee from Wizards, but right now this that's all I got. Just to add my two cents to this, because I feel multiple ways about this product, and as always for people that continue to criticize the cast, I'm not perfect. So uh I, I, I think two ways about stuff all the time. Um, I feel like stores are going to charge more than MSRP for this product unless you have like a cool stuff level size shop. They have an incentive to not charge MSRP for this product or above. Or like they have an incentive to charge MSRP. But like the smaller game shops in your local area, which is predominantly what most of our listeners have to deal with, are going to see this as a cash cow on par with Modern Masters 1. And as prices fall, um, not and not necessarily rebound as much as Modern Masters one, even with this being a limited product for at least the next four to five months before tax return season. Uh, this is something where a lot of shops could end up getting burnt on this product because players will be burning through money at higher rates than any other Masters product ever released. We also just had what was thought to be the last premium product of the year with um, the Planeswalker boxes. I forgot what they're called again. So I'm sorry, the mythic editions. Um, So you have wizards saying, oh, these people spent $500 on two booster boxes with like a couple of shiny foils. Maybe if we send them cool new foils, the people that are the 1% of this game already are going to buy more and more boxes to help us with our bottom line. Um, But I feel like a lot of shops are going to get burnt on this because their local player base is not going to be able to afford to buy all of the boxes that are coming in. Even if it's like four or five cases, um, unless you're in a well-to-do area, which is not primarily where I operate, it's going to be a lot harder for players to buy thousands of dollars of these higher-end packs. And a lot of players may wait to um, buy singles on this. And that's where we see single prices start to rebound if a lot of players aren't cracking boxes and reselling these cards, of course, because we have stuff like Karn in the set and Noble Hierarch, which are like two of the most sought-after modern cards um, the other thing it feels like is that Wizards blew a ton of its reprint equity at a weird time in the season when sales are lower. Now, they may have done this because they wanted to increase quarter four sales for their investors um, because of the whole Toys R Us stuff going on where Hasbro had to lay off thousands, I believe, in the investors meeting they said that. Um, so things aren't looking great for Hasbro as a whole, but they're looking great for Magic right now. And we we keep seeing these ramping up of things Wizards is trying to do to please stockholders. And they basically reprinted everything that people needed besides Mox Opal in this set, unless Mox Opal got spoiled, and then feel free to correct me, but I don't think it was. It felt like they hit every other card in this set that wasn't Mox Opal. Um, so if they ever try to do something like this again, like they won't have even close to the same amount of reprint equity for the next one, which is why they probably said that, oh, we won't be doing this for a while. But this is starting to feel like the slippery slope where Magic starts to feel more like a baseball card game where like you can open up not just masterpieces, but like now there are masterpieces that you have to already spend an exorbitant amount of money to get another exorbitant promo. And I'm sure the games felt like that's for a while since the beginning of Mythic Edition, but they just keep finding ways to, to exhaust what reprint equity they have. And I'm actually happy prices are coming down, but I don't think players are in a good financial position right now to be able to buy a lot of this stuff. However, as Ed and I talked about a couple weeks ago, if you have a couple thousand dollars sitting can time the plateau of some of these cards, you can make a whole lot of money when tax season comes around. It won't be anything compared to what happened this year with old school on the reserve list, but you can make a small return if you can prioritize the correct cards and have the right out. And Jim, feel free to sprinkle in a dose of reality here with all my comments. Yeah, so, like, you're like, oh, if you have a few thousand dollars laying around, like, most people I've seen on Twitter are like, $14 is too much for a booster pack. They don't have thousands of dollars to to, to have to, to buy cards with. This is one of the best things for vendors, though, in my opinion. Like, I mean, theoretically... It's, it's a good thing for players, too, 
it just looks really bad. Like right. the the smell test says that this is not a good thing. Like they you people are looking at this, they're saying the packs are more expensive, the booster boxes are more expensive. This can't possibly make the cards less expensive. That doesn't make any sense, right? Like it's it's an understandable thing that people are feeling. But the reality of the situation is I don't think it's nearly as bad as people think it is. And in fact, I think a lot of the times it's going to actually make it a lot cheaper for you to buy the singles of the set. If you want to buy booster packs to draft with, it's going to suck. There's no way around that. It's going to suck. But if you want to buy these cards to play with, it's going to be much better than you think. Yes, the booster box is $100 more than it used to be. But... It also is guaranteed to include one of the Masterpiece cards in it. These Masterpiece cards, I'm guesstimating, will probably, on average, be worth about $100. There will be some that are worth less. There will be a lot that are worth more. But, on average, there should be about $100 worth of cards in that booster pack. That means that if you buy the box and you immediately sell the card that's inside, you're likely looking at what is equivalent to the old booster box price. It looks bad, but it's really not like that. So, for example, there's nobody saying that because of the Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition that the price of a 24 packs of, of Guilds of Ravnica is $250, right? Nobody says that because everyone is, has the understanding that the Mythic Planeswalkers, the Full Art Planeswalkers, are the reason why it's so expensive. It's not because of the booster packs. If you do the same analysis and you take out the cost of what that... that uh, masterpiece card is, it's likely to be something very similar to what the old Modern Masters packs were. The only exception here is that a lot of these cards are going to be better than they usually are in a Master set. Um, if you look at the cards that they've already spoiled, so this set's a little weird because they have showed us what the rarities of the normal versions of the Masterpiece cards are, and I don't know if we've ever had a set that has had 20 Mythic Rares in it, but this one does. I'm not really sure what that's going to do to the distribution of them, but there's definitely 20 Mythics in the set. I don't know why. There are a couple of extra cards in the set, and my assumption is that they're all Mythics, but when you go back down to the rare level, this looks a lot more like Modern Masters 1 and not like Modern Masters 2. The cards that are rare that are probably obscenely expensive, they almost go to $100. Like, the, I'm just going to list off some of the rares. Ancient Tomb, Celestial Colony, Demonic Tutor, Engineered Explosives, Gorio's Vengeance, Life from the Loam, Noble Hierarch, Raging Ravine, Through the Breach. Like, these cards are all $40 to $50 each at rare. That's insane that none of the other Master Sets have been that good. And even if these are the only rares in the set, if as the rest of the rares are like about $8 to $10 each, you're very unlikely to lose any money on the booster packs. What that means, though, is that people will open them and sell the cards from them, which is good because if you want to buy singles, they will be cheaper. The thing that looks bad is that if you look at the MSRP of the booster box, you're like, man, this is like four extra dollars a pack. If you take out the the basically the top layer, which is just the masterpiece pack, I would be surprised if stores actually ended up selling open like loose booster packs for $14. That doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you factor in the fact that Big box stores are getting the three pack blisters for 35. There's no way that you can look at an LGS and say, Yeah, I'm gonna pay more money for your loose moderate or ultimate masters booster packs when I can pay $35 for three of them. Like, you can't charge 40 for them at your LGS because people could just go to Walmart or Target and buy them, or at least that's what they say that they can do because that's what people do when the, the commander sets come out, and one of them is much better than the others. This is a little bit different than the commander sets. I think it'll be more available because all you have to do is just put more booster packs on the shelf. You don't have to like worry about opening like five or four deck cases and like putting them all out and hoping that the one that you want is there. Like it's just a booster pack. Every all of them are the same. Now, with all that in mind, I think that this is going to be great for players that need to buy cards for their decks. But don't look at the booster pack price. Don't buy the booster packs. Still too much money. Just buy the singles. Tarmogoyf is probably one of the cards that's going to be the least expensive after this reprint. I wrote a whole article about how Tarmogoyfs used to be like $250 before the first Modern Master set. 
Now they're significantly less money. I don't know off the top of my head how much it is. I feel like it's like $60. Am I wrong? Yeah, they're, they're like 60 You can get them cheaper on like Facebook, but sure, 60 is fair. Yeah, it would not surprise me if after this reprint that Tarmogoyfs were like 30 or $40. Let's go. Like, that's that sounds great for a player that wants to play Jund, right? Like this is this is the kind of set that's going to reduce a lot of the prices. People don't want to necessarily like maybe this Tarmogoyf might still be sixty dollars, honestly, because this is the only printing that has this art. That's another story, but like I don't want to like have people be like, oh man, it's like still sixty dollars, but the Modern Masters twenty seventeen one is forty or whatever. But what I'm trying to say is, don't look at this and be like, man, these packs are so expensive. Look at this and, like, the packs are just as expensive as they were previously. What have they done to update to upgrade the quality of the packs? And, you know, the other things that we know about the set so far, in addition to the rares and the mythics that they've already spoiled, is that we have some quality uncommons. Eternal Witness and Kitchen Pinks are, I think, better than almost every uncommon in the last two Master sets. Like, they were just... The, the reason why Iconic Masters and Masters 25 were, like, so miss i guess like they, they weren't bad but there's definitely like some room for improvement and that's where the commons and uncommons are like the big the big things to help keep the pack prices the, the value in the pack equal to what you're paying for it um modern masters one had stuff like lava spike and uh path to exile lightning helix cards of common and uncommon that would help you recoup some of the costs of the pack even if your rare wasn't very good there are cards like Lava Car Reaches in here. Those are not, that's not a good rare to open. It's part of a cycle, which is why they're reprinting it. But if you open a Lava Car Reaches, you might also have a Kitchen Pinks and Eternal Witness as your uncommons, and then you're just kind of in the same spot where you open an average rare. And I think that you can look at this set and you can also see that there's definitely going to be some commons and uncommons that are going to be quite good that they're going to include. Like the fact that Gorio's Vengeance and Through the Breach are at rare is insane. I'm su so surprised that they did that. That being said, those are both arcane spells, which you need more arcane spells to do stuff. And like, if they're going to reprint Lava Spike, they're going to put it here, right? That's a seven dollar common right now. Like, it doesn't take very very many. Seven? It's like seven dollars, I think. Is Lava like Spike seven? That doesn't seem right. Is it more? It's like it's like five dollars something. I think yeah, seven is like thought. yeah. Yeah. All right, I thought it was like four to five. It, the thing is, it's hard to find them in quantity though. Like right. finding like from generally from like unless you're like a very very big what vendor, your game store in the middle of nowhere, you're like they're going to have like one or two that come in maybe. Getting a set is not going to be particularly easy just because okay. you just don't see them very often anymore. But All my right, point so is, like, if you look at like the last set master sets, there's no commons that are worth that much money in them. Even if Lava Spike is half as much as it was before, even if it's two dollars $253, that definitely it adds up very quickly to making up your pack. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on? Because we all got our monologues out of the way for the first half hour. Uh, the artist sweet, and I hope they continue to do this in the future. I think that this style of buy a box promo is the best possible thing they can do for the game rather than making like weird exclusive cards or cards that are in the set that nobody wants or just like any of those other things like make them really sweet cards with new art or like a premium version of something that already exists i think that's the best way going forward i i think that these are the best things to happen to this style of set i'm glad that they're in a master set it sucks that it makes this set cost a hundred dollars more but like i understand why they did it Ed. I'm good. I'm pretty sure you're Ed, but okay. And uh, before we move on to our credit winners, because there's two winners this week, um, everyone send flame to Ed because he promised you all a solo cast and did not deliver at all, even though he had two and a half weeks to get one in. So it's Ed's fault that there was no content on this channel for two and a half weeks. He's like Samson. Shaving his head robbed him of all of his powers. Jim, do you want to hit us with the first credit winner? Sure. So uh, I did promise everyone on Twitter that we, we picked two this week because we were off for a while. Uh, so our first credit winner is David Barbary. He says, I have a relatively large chunk of store credit and I never know what to buy. My question is, do you recommend, what do you recommend is the best use of store credit in terms of value and or liquidity? I always look forward to all your input on the finan on financial topics as well as the playful banter. 
Thank you for the cat for the A plus cast and keep up the great work. Uh, so David, uh, it really depends on what you want to do. Uh, if you play magic and you play magic at the store, I'd probably use it as your entry fees into tournaments, uh, assuming that they let you do that. I can't imagine why they wouldn't, um, you know, just keep, keep money in your pocket that you knew you were going to spend anyway. If you don't play in tournaments or you don't play at your LGS very often, you just go over there and buy and sell cards. Um, my personal preference is that. You can never go land. You can never go wrong with real estate. Buying lands, shock lands, even check lands, just any kind of lands are probably the best things you can own. You'll need them eventually, and if you don't, you can sell them for most of what you pay for them most of the time. Ed, uh, this is actually a pretty cool question. Um, something that hasn't been touched on. So the first thing I would do is look at it on a, from a cash out perspective um what you could usually do is you can get more you can get a higher bias number on most of your cards if you are able to sell your store credit um on some of the larger sites right like let's use channel fireball channel fireball star city as an example they pay let's say their buy list is 50 dollars on a card you take a 50 percent credit bump and uh it comes out to you get 75 dollars in store credit let's say there's nothing you want you can probably go out and find a vendor who will pay you, like let's let's say they pay you uh, like eighty percent on store credit, uh, which is a little high. Eighty percent. Eighty percent is a little high, but like okay, let's say you find some random player who has something that he wants to buy on Star, on Star, uh, Star City. If he pays you eighty percent, you are now getting sixty dollars instead of the fifty dollars that you originally would have gotten, and your friend or whoever is getting cards at eighty percent off what uh, what Star City listings for. Um, it's not a bad way to start. Star City isn't the greatest example, uh, mainly because there aren't. It's really, really hard to buy things on Star City. Um, I always bank Star City credit because their sales. I, I'm very diligent about checking their sales come Monday, and I usually like dump a ton of like a dump a, a ton of credit into um, uh, into stuff that they have on sale. Um, that's like that's the first option I would do is if you're lo literally looking to get the most out of your buy list cards. Uh, check to see if someone wants to buy the credit instead. Um, for the most part, again, I'm usually fine banking credit. I have like a ton of Card Kingdom credit that I always keep. I always have a uh, Star State credit that I keep as well. Um, I just wait for an opportunity to buy something that I want. For me, for the most part, the best thing that I've found is to be buying a ton of standard cards. Um, just finding the right times. Like right now, um, I... Like I, I anticipate spending a ton of money on standard this week, uh, like through Star City, through Card Kingdom War. It doesn't matter that I'm paying the elevated price, right? Like these cards will just pay off in dividends come like Saturday morning. Like that's all I care about. Um, and like obviously you're hedging. Like there are things where okay, I bought this card, it doesn't pay off. Who cares? You got it with credit anyways. The money was free. If uh, it came, if your spec came through or whatever, then great. You made way more money than you did with Bylas. Um. For most part, like those are two things I would do with store credit. Find someone who wants to buy it, or just if you don't need the money right away, you don't need the card right away, just sit on it and wait until something comes up. Um I would if you have a lot of store credit, just wait for Ultimate Masters to come out and finish whatever set of cards you need. Because I'm pretty sure every player in Magic, unless you're super enfranchised, and then why are you listening to this cast needs a place that is something that's getting reprinted in that set. So that would be my advice because there's got to be at least one commander player who needs some random card from the set or one competitive player that needs one random card from the set. So you just wait until the set plateaus and then you scoop up some stuff and then you don't worry about it. Because a lot of times and what most people do is they buy less cards that are under $10 most of the time because it like selling them on yourself, you, the margins just aren't that good selling them on TCG player or whatever. So they'll like buy list it all and take credit. So just think about it that way that like you traded a stack of shadow burn apostles for a term away for something and then just move on. Um, as far as maximizing your store credit, doing what Ed suggested is a good idea. There's like two or three big people on Facebook that all they do is buy credit and then they arbitrage it to the other side of the world, um, including Ed. But um, yeah, allegedly that not including you. Um, allegedly, 
but yeah, that's basically the two ways. But like, if what you're doing is like you're buying local collections and you're biosting cards that Card Kingdom pays quarters on or Star City pays 75 cents on and you're taking credit, just turn that into a big card because it's way easier to move or sell your credit. I don't think there's much more to add other than um, I appreciate that you like the banter because a lot of people don't like bantering on MTG Finance podcasts. So thanks a lot. All right. Uh, Jim, you want to move on to the second question? No, I want to tell David what he can do to retain his $25 of CoolStuffInc.com store credit. Sure. Go for David, it. please, uh, after you hear this cast, send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com, and I will get you your $25 gift certificate for CoolStuffInc.com. Uh, our second question is from Jennifer Mazu. Mazujin? Yep. All right. Let's go with that. It may be Mazujian. Maybe. I don't know. I apologize. We don't know how to say your name. Uh, she says, hey, guys, what's the best line? What's the best time to out check lands now or in February when prices are at their highest? I want to maximize the value I can get and I can always afford to wait. I always look forward to your podcast. And it was embarrassingly surreal to meet Jeremy and Ed at Toronto this past year. You guys sounded like you missed Travis this cast any chance he could guest. Uh, well, uh, check lands right now are quite expensive, depending on which ones you have. Um, I, unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago, had to purchase a Sulphur Falls from Cool Stuff because I needed it for a team tournament. Anyway, they're very expensive. They're like $10 each, probably even more now. Um, so I would say if any of these are very popular and standard, which I, I'm assuming is Sulphur Falls... Clifftop Retreat and Woodland Cemetery, based on the deck lists that I've seen. Um, now's probably a pretty reasonable time to get rid of them. Uh, if you if you're selling them for more than what you paid for them, just lock in your profits and don't worry about it. Even if you might be able to get more for them in February, it's probably not worth waiting. Um, if you make money, just make your money and move on with life. Like. The check lens went up like 400%. How greedy do you want to be? Just lock in your profits and move on. Um, none of us have reached out to Travis, question mark. He, like, I think we talked about this on the last cast, but uh, his reason for leaving is that he had too much stuff going on. Uh, that's what he said on the cast. So I don't know if he'd ever come back. We can talk, we can talk to him about it later. Yeah. Uh, Doug did the same thing for the same reasons. He had too much magic stuff going on, but he comes back from time to time when it when his schedule lines up. So Without announcing it, he just hops on sometimes. This is also true. I think that only happened once, though, so I'm not really sure that you can say that it's like a ongoing thing. 100% participation rate. Ed, what should she do with the check lands? And also, thanks for saying hi to us at Toronto. Um, we appreciate it. Because I know Ed gets a lot of fans that come up to him and look at his head now. So keep doing that if you see him at an event. Ed, what do you think she should do with the checklands? Uh, so the checklands are already expensive. Sulfur Falls, Cliff Sulfur Streets, Woodland Cemetery. I think those are always easy, easy out them, right? Like a lot of people, like after this weekend, we're probably going to see like a lot of, um, like we're going to get like a concrete, like this is what standard looks like. Um, and like we have kind of like some data trickling in, like we know what kind of like the big winners are based on results from last weekend in Jersey and Lil. We've seen some like mocks results. We've seen uh, some of the data come in from Magic Online. Like those are already good cash out of them. Uh, that being said, I think I mentioned it in the cast two weeks ago. I want to be buying Isolated Chapel and Hinterland Harbor right now. Uh, because there's no guild associated with them yet, that doesn't come until Ravnica Allegiance when we have Simic and like Isolated Chapel. I think those are still fine pickups. Um, <clears throat> like I personally like I want to be buying like up to like a thousand of them before the next set drops. Like it's it's one of those things where it the guilds themselves are almost too powerful. Um, and like these two color check lands in conjunction with the uh, shock land just makes for a very, very good mana base. I imagine with more options open, we'll start seeing like more monocolor decks um, splash like one color. Uh, playing like four shock lands, four check lands are very critical in those. 
Um, but I think like like the other two said, uh, cashing in on the uh, Woodland uh, Cemetery, uh, not Isolate Chapel, uh, Sulphur Falls, and Cliff Hopper Cheat, like that's absolutely the right thing to do right now. Let the stores make their money from people who are still coming in buying standard cards or whatever, but like there's there's no point in holding them until February at this point, even if they do climb a little bit higher percentage wise, locking your gains now. And Jim, where what do you want her to do for the credit? The same thing I ask everyone to do for the credit, Pinky. Send Take me, over the uh, world. Send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. And if you'd like to win $25 of coolstuffing.com store credit next week, you can leave a comment, or sorry, you can leave a question, not a comment. Leave a question on our page that should go up Tuesday, the whatever. Today's sixth. Six. Yeah, Tuesday, November sixth. Uh, you can find our uh, page on coolstuffing.com. Leave a question on the page with this podcast, and you can be entered to win twenty five dollars of coolstuffing.com store credit next week. So, do we want to open up our emails, or do we want to get in a pick of the week? Uh, I'm not ready for emails today. What I... you you told everyone to email us, and then you weren't ready for emails. No, I'm not, I'm said... not ready for pick of the week. Wow. Oh, that's, well, that's while Ed is looking up his pick of the week, um, we had a couple listeners ask us on Twitter and in this live stream um, how the heck I managed to get myself in a MasterCard advertisement that was shared hundreds of thousands of times on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I don't know if we'll do an after hours about that. If I go to the Pro Tour this weekend in Atlanta, Besides getting a picture of Ed's head next to my waist, um, I will see if we can put something together if I go to Atlanta where um, like we can do like a sort of mini after hours to make sure that Ed uh, makes up for not doing a solo cast about his life like he was supposed to. Um, so if I go to Atlanta, we'll, we'll see if we can work something out there because I had a couple listeners that play League of Legends ask me about that. But uh, Ed, what's your pick of the week? I think I've picked this before, so it kind of feels like cheating, but it's been a fair amount of time. Uh, in a similar vein that uh, I won't be buying Isolated Chapel and Hinterland Harbor for reasons that Rapid Allegiance isn't dropped yet. We don't have support for those particular guilds. I won't be buying cards like that for those guilds that don't exist. Uh, or I won't be buying cards for guilds that don't exist yet, mainly because there's just no place they fit. Um, I like so you won't be looking at was it Orzov, Simic, Rakdos, Azorius, whatever the last one is. What did you say? I, I, I there was a fifth guild that doesn't exist right now. Orzov, Orz, Azorius, Orzov, Azorius, Simic, Rakdos, Rakdos, and uh, crap, Gruel, Gruel. Damn it. I did it. Uh, like, so, uh, Vona, Butcher, Bagan. It's an Ixalan Mythic. It's kind of expensive. It's kind of dorky. Um, it's for anyone who needs to refresh it. It's a 5 mana, 4 4, Vigilance, Lifelink. Uh, tap, pay 7 life, destroy target, non land, permanent, activate this ability only during your turn. Like, is this card phenomenal? Probably not. If we kind of see uh, aggressive decks be prevalent, the Vigilance plus Lifelink clause is. Um, is pretty good. It's a big dumb body. Uh, being able to vindicate uh, any permanence is also quite good. Uh, seven life is like fairly steep to pay, but I can see like this card being this card is a lot of upside. It's basically bulk mythic as it's sub like uh, Don Glare listed at like a dollar fifty. Um, right, like if you're spending a hundred copies, it's one hundred fifty dollars, like one hundred fifty two hundred dollars. This would be a great place to spend a lot of credit. It's probably like I imagine if you look at Star City, they probably have a ton of copies available that you can buy. I would snap this up, uh, just like throw it, throw it in a in a box or something, and just you know maybe something comes out of it. There's like a few other cards that I probably need to save as pick of the weeks as well. But like Kumena, Tyrant of Araska, um, that was that card was very expensive when Rivals of Ixalan first came out. That card fell off pretty fast. It went from like twenty dollars in its peak down it's like down to four dollars now um 
Like if there's some like Merfolk support, like we already have like an aggressive like mono blue deck. Uh, it's not heavily Merfolk themed, but it does play some amount of Merfolk in it. Um, like is it like do once we have Simic uh, colors like with Breeding Pool, presumably we'll have like the same cycle of like AABB uh, mana costed creatures that all seem absurdly busted. The Golgari ones sees play of play. Crackling Drake sees play of play right now. Um, the Boros one is a little odd. That one doesn't see play. But like if we have like you know green green blue blue, whatever. Presumably it'll be a, maybe it'll be a Merfolk. Who knows, right? And it's just like these are types of cards that you won't be buying. Right, hundred copies of this will cost less than five hundred dollars. And if it takes off, like you know, oh yeah, the, everyone has five hundred dollars to spend on a hundred copies. Whatever, buy four copies for yourself. It'll cost twenty bucks. Get it out of the way. Like whatever people want to do. Um, Right, like if it takes off for standard or whatever, right? Like these mythics are easily going to be, you know, at least ten dollars, fifteen dollars. We saw what you know a lot of the ones from past season have already done, right? Lyra, Vivian Reed, all these things that we talked about back in August. Carnage Tyrant, right? Like these are the these are good places that you want to be. Carnage uh, Tyrant is now thirty five dollars. Respondent Angel is now twenty two dollars. What is wrong with this world? Right, but I mean, like these things, you could see them coming from a million mile away, right? Like. We talked about right. this. We told people, and people just whatever. Didn't like, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm sure, like a lot of people made a ton of money on this, but like, Banefire is like five dollars now, right? Like, how insane is that? Um, I don't think that was on anyone's radar. But grats if you held on to those or pulled those up bulk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Jim, what is uh, your pick for the week? So, uh, in the vein of master sets, right now. There's definitely cards that they're going to miss. Uh, Mox Opal feels like the one that's most likely to be not in the set because they've already shown us 20 Mythic Rares in a set that usually only has 15. So I'm not I'm not sold that they would put it in a rare in a, in a Master set. That being said, if you want to purchase cards that might get reprinted or might not get reprinted, there's something important you should know. CoolStuffInc.com, our sponsor has a 30-day reprint and ban refund thing that they have going on. So if you wait until November 7th, which is Wednesday after this cast starts, or after this cast airs, and purchase any number of cards that may or may not be in the set, you will get them early enough that you don't have to worry about paying the premium if they're not in the set, but you still have time. If they do get reprinted, they will honor a refund. So... That is what I would recommend, is if you are worried about finishing off your modern deck or if you, like, need to get some cards that, that are going to, that's going to be impacted by the reprints, for example, if you play Jund or want to play Jund, you don't have Black Cleave Cliffs yet, that's not likely to be in the set. I would wait till Wednesday, buy them from Cool Stuff. If they get reprinted, not a big deal. You can send them back to them. If they don't get reprinted, then that's great. You probably saved yourself a bunch of money. So... While this is kind of a cop out to not really pick a specific card, I think that Moxopol. Like yeah, Moxopol is the one I think is most likely not to get reprinted, and I guess is like my technical pick of the week. But if you are just worried about getting cards in general for your decks that might not be in the set, uh, Cool Stuff has a great refund policy on things that get reprinted and get banned. So feel free to buy from them. My pick of the week is a three blue rare from Dominaria that has been trending up as an answer to Phoenix, even though I haven't watched a standard matchup in two weeks. I keep getting tons of requests for them. Does anyone know what it is? Tempest Gin. Yeah, the demand for this card is starting to pick up as an answer to the Phoenix. Um, we may see a little action at the Pro Tour. It could spike up to a whopping 5 to $6. So don't go all in on this. Just have your set in case the meta develops to have this as one of the star parts of standard. I like Crackling Drake better, but I understand. Yeah. So just uh, keep an eye out on that card. Where can people find you guys now that we have uh, fulfilled our obligation of providing the people with almost an hour of podcasting this week? Uh, I'm Edwin13 Edwin on Twitter. I am in Baldwin. Atlanta this week through... Uh, I'm I'm not bald. Let's make this clear, right? Like I have very very short hair. It's all uncomfortable, way. but you I have not go all the way. You should have just shaved it bald. I'm not letting someone take a razor to my head, right? I'm not trying to not look like you any sooner than I have to. Um, Ouch. Uh, 
Edwin13 on Twitter. I will be in Atlanta for the remainder of this week. Maybe I'll see some of you guys at the Pro Tour. Um, I will probably be discussing what I want to be buying on Twitter in these next few days, but maybe I shouldn't because I don't want to give people's deck lists away. Um, I will be in Milwaukee next weekend for the Grand Prix. I know some people are lined Ooh. up. Go to Australia, boo! I'm too, I'm too poor for that. Um, uh, Milwaukee. Then I'll be flying home. I'll be in Portland for Thanksgiving, and then I'll be off uh, to Japan again for two weeks, where I will be at the GP in Shizuoka, and then I will see people at Liverpool. Okay, my name is Jim Hassel. You can find me on Twitter at phrst underscore. You can find my articles. The semi-regularly on coolstuffing.com. I've been a little bit busy with my wedding stuff, so I haven't put anything up lately. Uh, I will be putting up an article hopefully this week about uh, Ultimate Masters, so check it out. Uh, and you can also find me on this lovely podcast. I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twigger, Twitter. Twigger, that's weird. Twitter bragging about um, me being in the booth that won the only game because Fnatic didn't win a single game. And uh, I got to play League of Legends with a lot of fun personalities of the EU LCS and NALCS. Uh, so I literally just did not look at Twitter for like two weeks outside of just tweeting humble brag photos of my vacation. Um, I should maybe be at Pro Tour Atlanta for one whole day this weekend, but uh, Ugh. bugging Ed. Um and then I will be at Melbourne next week, I believe. Where, where are you going to be, Jeremy? Melbourne next week. Okay. Just like Birmingham. And uh, <laughs> then I will be at... Uh, I forgot what GP week is the week after that. I feel like I'll be at whichever one Ed is at. Um, Warsaw? Then I'll be at, yes, I will be in Poland. Oh, okay. Um, then I will be in Shizuoka with Ed. Ugh. Um, I will be going directly to Hawaii from there to take another week vacation. And then I may show up at Vancouver um, because school will be over at that point. Um, so yeah, you can find us on Twitter or cartel underscore finance. Uh, you should be interacting with, with us more because we're all back from vacation. Um, you can find us on YouTube, which is what a lot of people were listening to live this week. You can find us on iTunes and, of course, at our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com. Thanks for giving us a listen after us being on an extended break. We do appreciate it, and we appreciate that you guys continue to support this podcast that is entirely free and that we ask nothing from you but to deal with some horrible puns once in a while. So, as always, we'll see you guys maybe Friday, but definitely next, next week. And, as always, have a good one, and bye-bye. Later. <laughs>